So lately I haven't had any pants that feel comfortable on me. So if I've been impulsive, like if I was, since I was impulsive yesterday, it was because I didn't have any comfortable pants. So I need to go down and do the laundry and get some comfy pants. <laughs> uh, so you're telling me that it's the pants is what <laughs> is making you so impulsive. Well, the pants make me uncomfortable and being uncomfortable makes me impulsive. So you're going to blame pants. Is that really what you want to do? Yes. <laughs> no. I didn't think so. <laughs> it's my pants because I'm feeling uncomfortable and it makes me impulsive. Well, as your partner, it is my responsibility to remind you the pants have nothing to do with you being impulsive. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't. <laughs> And this is what we're going to be talking about today, partner support. I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. Welcome back to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Today we have Jay here. Welcome on the show, Jay. Thank you very much for having me back. Absolutely. So today we're going to be talking really to partners of people with borderline personality disorder. I wanted Jay to come back on the show, kind of like we you heard that clip in the beginning where I was talking with him about how my pants make me feel <laughs> uncomfortable and impulsive. So that was a little example of how he helps keep my perception in check and how he's been doing that over the years. So what I wanted him to do today is talk to you guys about partner support, how partners can be supportive of people with BPD. And I know that I've gone over this a little bit before he and I have talked about it, but there's some troubleshooting I think that needs to happen when our partners try to offer us support and then we fight against it. So Jay, can you tell us what's the what are some ways that a partner can be supportive of their loved one with borderline personality disorder in a step-by-step way? Well, there are many ways, but you have to understand we need to make sure that we're defining partner. Uh, Partner is there are two people in this, and the support must go both ways, uh, or there is no partnership. Uh, So, Whoever is having uh, the issues with impulsivity uh, or their actions are incongruent to the direction in which they want this partnership to go on, uh, they have to be aware that what they're doing may be considered uh, annoying or frustrating or uh, unpleasant for their partner. They have to at least acknowledge that Um, because if they don't acknowledge that, then all of the pressure gets put on the partner um, who's not engaging in that behavior. And uh, it just can get to a point in which the other partner feels as though they are drowning. Um, And it's just not a good place to be in. But as a strong supportive partner, um, it is... At least for me, I'm going to talk about, you know, myself. I know that I love you 
and that I care about you and I care about your entire well-being, not just what you mean to me. And as long as you are in my uh, presence, uh, I care about you. It is way beyond that. It is I care about everything um, that goes on with you know, us in the same house. And when you go out, uh, when you, you know, take a trip, uh, whatever that happens, I care about your well-being. And in that, uh, I care about ultimately your happiness. Um, So when you act impulsive, and there are times that which you do, uh, it's my responsibility. I have to tell you that. Uh, If I don't tell you that, uh, I am not being a loyal partner to you. Uh, I have to tell you that. Uh, I don't like to tell you that. And I'm sure there are a lot of people out there, uh, a lot of supportive uh, partners out there that don't enjoy telling um, their significant other that uh, they are, you know, for lack of a better word, being annoying. Um but it has to be acknowledged on both sides uh, because, you know, the aim of a partnership and a relationship is to grow together. So if one person is growing and the other person is not, uh, then the relationship is not growing. You know, that's the way that that goes. It's like one times zero is zero. Right, right. So uh, let's just go back a minute to what you talked about. You said that as a supportive partner, so as a neurotypical partner is what I would say. It's the language that I use, right? So as a neurotypical partner, you don't just care about me when I'm with you. You care about my whole well-being. So that's important for listeners with BPD to understand. Most neurotypical people don't just love you when you're in their space. They love you always, right? So if you're married or you're in a committed relationship with someone and you are trying you're going through your recovery journey and you're doing recovery just when you're in the space with your partner, you just want to make sure that you understand that they care about you all the time when you're at work, you know, whether or not you've renewed your car registration. So you're not going to get pulled over and get a ticket when you're cooking and you have knives out and you don't close the drawers and you, you know, if you're being not safe with your cooking utensils, texting and driving, texting and driving. So like any impulsive, unsafe behavior is going to be concerning to a neurotypical partner. And so it's important that you're doing things with integrity through and through. And it's also important for those of you listening with your partner. I know we have a lot of couples that listen together. So if you're listening with your partner, it's important that if you have borderline personality disorder or you're on that spectrum, that you're open to the idea that your partner is going to tell you what you're doing that is not neurotypical so that you can then change. And then your partner is going to do that in a way that doesn't make you feel bad. So that leads into the next question, right? So you said that sometimes you felt like you were drowning, so you had to tell me because if not, then it would drive you kind of crazy, right? And also it doesn't help our future. It doesn't help our relationship if you didn't. So how did you do that without making me feel, 
I mean, there were times where you made me feel like bad, not made me feel, but I chose to feel bad because I was, you know, not learning. I was choosing not to learn and I was fighting against it. But for the most part, the way that you helped shape my behavior or explain my behavior was not attacking or threatening. So what advice do you have for partners once the person with borderline personality disorder gets the buy-in and says, okay, like I will allow you to help me? Then what would a partner do? What kind of language would they need to use? How would they say, you know, the things that they need to say without being mean, without going, you have BPD, this is all your fault, or without shutting down? Well, like I've said in the past uh, podcasts, uh, the formula that uh, anything anyone does has a positive intended result, that always sticks to me. And, you know, I always come back to that because there are times in which I don't understand uh, the behavior that's that's occurring. Um, And I don't need to because it's not about the behavior that's occurring. It's about what is it that you're trying, what direction are you trying to go in? um, And is the way that you're engaging in the behavior, does that match in that direction? Uh, So... um, you know, there are times in which uh, I need to think about that. And I need to, first of all, you know, as a man, it's my responsibility to always remain calm, um, patient, uh, and find the logic in uh, my surroundings and my interactions with others. So when it comes to a, a person who is in a partnership with someone with BPD uh, or just engaging in BPD type behaviors, uh, it's important that they understand that the actions when they aren't um, coming out the way that you may like them, the actions are still, they still have a positive intended result, uh, but you have to kind of find it. Um, and in order to do that, you have to be patient. Um, so as a partnership, you know, you have to commit to the idea of it is a partnership of two, not of one. Uh, so if someone's, someone is engaging in BPD type behaviors, uh, they have to realize that they are talking to another human being, you know, you're not talking to a wax statue in which they have no feelings. Uh, they don't even have a voice. They don't have a mind. Uh, they're not a wax statue. They are a living, breathing human being. And it is somebody that you've chosen personally um, to spend your time with and to spend your life with. Uh, so the pressure does have to go on to uh, the person engaging in that behavior. Uh, and as the supportive partner who may not engage in those behaviors, it's our responsibility to understand that we're choosing this partner, you know, so the responsibility is on us too, you know, and if the aim is to have a relationship and to have a prosperous relationship and a growing relationship, we have to do everything that we possibly can to communicate um, 
why this behavior or why, you know, a negative circumstance that is is happening between us is not allowing the relationship to go where we want it to go. And that is crucial to maintaining that that uh, relationship dynamic in order for it to continue to, to grow. Okay, so what about the people out there who are going to say, who are tired, you know? I mean, let me just stop for a minute because you're you're not wrong. All that's correct, right? The person with BPD has to acknowledge it. You know, a lot of the blame, if not all of it, falls on us because we're the ones who have the issue. And there's also that issue of reality. So your reality is different from my reality, right? If I'm, If we look at the pants example and I'm walking around uncomfortable <laughs> because my pants are itchy or because my pants feel weird and they make me feel uncomfortable um, and I'm just being impulsive because of that, it's just... That's that's me. That's on me. So now I'm taking out my discomfort instead of like finding new pants, buying new pants, you know, and that's a true thing. When my pants are uncomfortable, I do get impulsive. When my clothes are uncomfortable, I don't feel right. And so like that will make me feel uncomfortable and impulsive. But if I'm walking around being impulsive and I don't communicate that and then all of a sudden I'm creating this argument because I feel uncomfortable because I didn't just go and do something about the thing that made me uncomfortable, then I am now imposing my impulse on everyone in my household. And, you know, look, you can say that that's fair if you have BPD because you can take on BPD as an identity or you can just recognize that that's not fair. You know, I know that. That's why in that initial interaction... I was laughing because I know that that's not fair. I know that that's how I feel too, right? Like that's why I was like, well, because I'm uncomfortable, but that's not fair. That's not okay. I need to go and find some pants. I need to do some laundry and I need to take care of that issue. And then, you know, I said that out loud to Jay and that's when we decided to record that because that was how I was actually feeling, you know? So yeah, I'm rambling a little bit there, but I'm, you know, I'm trying to say that you as the BPD partner, you do have to take on a lot of this, of a lot of the responsibility in the relationship in order for this whole process to work for you guys to grow and change together. But I will say, you know, I know that there are a lot of partners out there that it's exhausting, especially married couples, because they've been dealing with this. I mean, I've talked to so many married couples and it's been years, like 17 years, five years, seven years. And they've been to therapist after therapist, coaches, counselors, you know, all kinds of different things to try to get this to work. They've done retreats and nothing's working because they implement the strategies, right? The neurotypical partner has no issue. They're implementing the strategies. They're doing all the things that they should be doing, but then the BPD partner is still over there in their own reality, and it's exhausting. So what would you say to people about, you know, overcoming that exhaustion and just not wanting to try kind of giving up because, you know, nothing else has helped? Well, I would say uh, if you are exhausted, then you need to rest up. Um, <laughs> there are times in which it is okay to go into separate spaces and just take a break. Um, we've done that. And, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of we we need to figure out what's the point of this uh, this argument. Where do, where do we both want this argument to go and how bad do we want this argument to get? Because, you know, I hope we plan on staying together after this argument. Um, 
and you know, I, I hope you, that you do too. Um, so we need to make sure that we aren't going past uh, the point of no return um, because that's it, you know, and uh, engaging in those type of impulsive behaviors is a formula and a recipe for being alone. Uh, that is not a, that's not how partners should interact with one another. Um, so both parties need to, I would say, just take a break. Um, and it's also just important as, as the uh, partner that, that maybe is, how you call it, neurotypical, uh, to continue to understand uh, that they are in a relationship with someone who has a hard time uh, controlling impulses and emotions. Uh, so they themselves cannot engage in that same behavior. Uh, you know, you and I have talked about this way back in the beginning of our relationship. You know, you wanted me to be more emotional and, and kind of connect with you on that sort of a level. But I'm a man. Uh, men don't do that. Um, and it's not something that, you know, even men who do engage in overly emotional behavior, it doesn't really work out too well for a lot of people um, because men can, you know, we can really take it uh, too far. And, uh, you know, that's something that I know that I'm not going to allow that to happen uh, to myself. And I'm certainly not going to put that on you. Um, so if I don't take care of myself in those uh, times of, of frustration, um, and, you know, either get some separation or just try to reach you, you know, saying, hey, you know, look, I understand you're uncomfortable and I'm sorry that you're uncomfortable, um, but we need to figure out, you know, either where we go with this um, or we need to figure out a, uh, a plan on how we can just get through this you know, argument or the night or whatever, because eventually the discomfort's going to end and you're going to be, you're going to be comfortable again, you know, but, uh, we don't want the emotion to, to come upon us and then react in this really overly dramatic way because then the emotion leaves and you're fine again. And then you look around and it's like an earthquake hit. So now you got damage, you know, you got damage uh, repairs and all that stuff to the relationship. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, it happens to be that we're in this male-female relationship. So, you know, you're saying men are more calm, men are more logical, right, typically. And then men's emotion can be extreme if you're meeting that emotion with other emotion. Just in general, though, I think you brought up a really important point, and this is for everyone out there, no matter what kind of partnership you're in, right? Even if it's a family member, is that people with BPD are overly emotional. You can't meet emotion with emotion. So if you're trying to help your partner and be supportive in general, regardless of whether or not you're in a mother-daughter relationship or whatever it is, you can't be, you can't match the intensity of the borderline. It just, it's not going to work. If he were to get as impulsive as I got or as angry at me as I get at him, <laughs> wait, what are you mouthing? Just say it. You would hate it. <laughs> you would absolutely hate it. Oh, yeah. 
Why? I did. I have done that before. It has, like, I've pushed yeah, you. and I've told you, could you imagine if I, <laughs> you know, acted like that? Because you would hate it, and you've even said that. I couldn't even imagine having someone else, you know, in, in a relation, to be in a relationship with someone else who is just as emotional as I am. Um, it, it's a recipe for disaster, yeah, it's horrible. I've been in relationships with people that are just as emotional as I am, and it's even worse, you know, because it's just, it's just, there's just no connection there. It's just all emotion and all drama. So, yeah, one of the key ingredients to being a successful, supportive partner is be calm, be logical, and always try to see that the person with BPD has emotional and impulse control issues. So, they're always trying to be the best person they could be. Sometimes we are not doing a good enough job, but they're at least trying. So their positive intended result, you know, has to be there and you got to look for it in order to find it. And then, you know, in terms of what do you say to people who are like though in marriages and it's not just the impulse, it's not just the emotion, it's everything. Like they've learned, I've had so many partners who've come to me and they've just learned over the years that they're going to cook, they're going to hire somebody to clean or clean themselves, they're going to take care of the kids, they're just going to do it all as the man or the woman, whichever situation, whichever gender role, they're going to take on all the gender roles in a relationship, they have to. Because the partner with BPD isn't reliable, isn't whatever. And so they just allow this person to live in the house. And while they're doing all the responsibilities and this person's tantruming, that's like such a common thing that I'm hearing. And these partners are exhausted. But because because it's been years of this dynamic where they're rescuing the BPD person from whatever responsibilities they have to do, it's hard to get out of that. Because the minute they try... Their partner is attacking them or they leave or, you know, so they're just keep going because they want to avoid an argument. Well, that's when a relationship comes into play. You know, that's where a partnership comes into play. Uh, There are, you know, times in which you'll be doing something. If I see a more efficient manner that would, you know, kind of alleviate some of your frustration or or feeling of overwhelmness, uh, (laughs) Uh, I will step in and let you know, like, hey, you know, you could do it this way. Uh, it's not a matter of you or somebody not being able to uh, cover gender roles. You know, I don't think that really is uh, a thing that, you know, is going to be, you know, concrete. I think that's a very abstract idea because you need to figure out, okay, what are gender roles? What gender roles? Right. Um, what does that mean? And, you know, what are we dividing up? What responsibilities are we dividing up? Um, and also, you know, you may be doing something that is not part of my quote unquote uh, gender role, uh, but I may have a, an idea on how to do it, uh, you know, in, in a more efficient manner. Um, and I'm going to throw that idea out to you and it's, it's up to you whether or not you want to use it or not. But I feel like, uh, Going into this idea that you have to assume all of the responsibilities for all of the gender roles, um, you know, I think it's just, it's a memory again. I think you are remembering um, having an unsuccessful time of doing a certain thing. um, And, you know, that's where the other partner needs to come in and show that, look, I'm perfectly capable of handling this, you know, and it's going to take time. It's going to take repetition. 
Um, and it's going to take communication most importantly. So what if they won't, right? So that's, I didn't mean to, I said gender roles and you got me on semantics <laughs> on that one. I didn't mean to talk about, I just meant, you know, like the person with BPD will often get so lost in their head that they just refuse or say that they can't clean or cook or, you know, pick up the kids or go to work or whatever it is that the responsibility is. And so the other person is like, well, this, like you, you always say like, this needs to get done. Like I'm tired. Yeah, but it needs to get done. So I'm just going to do it then. If you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. Somebody has to do it. So then what happens if the person with BPD is like, well, I'm not doing it. Well, then you're unwilling to be in a relationship, you know, that kind of defeats the purpose of being in a partnership if you're going to relinquish all of your responsibilities onto the other partner. That means that you don't really want a partnership. You want a parent. Um, You want somebody that's Mm -hmm. going to step in and do everything for you. And that's not a partnership. You know, that is uh, anti-partnership. You know, that is uh, you want a mother or a father um, and that's just not who that person signed up to to be in a relationship with. And that's not the role that they want to assume, um, you know, because there is no growth in that. Uh, there is no direction in which you both can go, grow together and, and go down and, uh, you know, achieve goals, uh, conquer things, um, have, you know, great experiences. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that go along with having a partnership um, because it's it's having a teammate and not only a teammate but a best friend that you need to be able to trust that when they say something, you got to at least give it a consideration um, because if you don't, uh, that best friend is going to realize that uh, you may be their best friend but they are not your best friend because they only take, take, take and they don't give. Uh, and a best friendship is between two people and they give to one another and you know they, they complement one another and they bring out – and this is important. They bring out the best in one another. You know, that is super important. You need to think about your partner and you need to think, am I bringing out the best out of my partner? You know, because if the answer is I don't know or the answer is no, then you've got some work to do. and You need to start learning your partner so that way you can bring the best out of them. And they can continue doing that for you. Uh, there's a reason why you're staying with them even though you feel like you have to do everything and they do nothing. And, you know, they are scum when you're uncomfortable and, you know, they are just this inanimate object that you can just verbally abuse when you're feeling, you know, bad. Um, that is not bringing out the best out of them. And when they want to reach out and they want to try to help you through this, uh, they are trying to extend uh, the best that they have out to you. And it's your responsibility to trust them uh, as your partner to, to you know, take their hand and see what they have to offer. So you're saying the person with BPD needs to do that? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, you know, like I said, in a relationship, you know, you have to bring out the best in one another. Uh, because then you can really start to shine as a couple and you can really start doing some great things, some really successful things together. 
It's interesting because I think the one of the roadblocks on the part of the person with BPD is like they don't trust themselves or their identity. So they don't trust the world around them and then trusting their partner. I mean, the reality is, is you guys don't trust each other, right? So I didn't trust in the beginning that you would guide me in a way that would be beneficial to me. Like I just think of the dishes so much, like the dishes. You wanted me to do the dishes in a certain way or you wanted me to like pay attention to detail when I was cleaning. Because you know, like, you know that line behind the faucet where there's like dirt can fall, like I wouldn't clean that area behind the faucet, you remember? And you'd yeah. go, you'd go attention to detail, like little things like that. And it would drive me nuts because I would think to myself like, well, how does he know the best way to clean? How does he know the best way to do this or that or whatever it was? I mean, those are just two little examples. So I had to, you know, and this is dangerous language path to walk down. I had to submit and just do the things that you had asked me to do because one, they weren't that big of a deal. And two, I had to leap into trusting you that you wouldn't lead me off of a cliff or do something bad to me. I had to just take that leap. And that made it easier for you then to talk to me and to tell me things and that I would accept that from you. And I think that if I was combative, you would be combative back, right? When I was combative with you in a loud way, you would get angry. I would push your buttons. Sure. Right. Sure. So if you're out there and you have BPD and your partner is listening to this or you've given that this to them, you know, a lot of my clients will say, I've given this to my partner. I want them to listen. Well, you can't be combative because then what you're doing is stirring this emotional pot and they're trying to learn how to manage you and to try to figure you out and be a better partner to you, just like you're trying to learn to be a better partner to them. So if they're going to tell you to do something and it's not unsafe or dangerous, it's wipe the area behind the faucet, just do it. Absolutely. And, you know, if anybody out there has ever been an athlete at any point, uh, point of their life, uh, especially a team athlete, you understand the idea of partnership and you understand the idea that you have to practice at this. You know, you are training one another. You know, if you're playing, uh, you know, basketball, uh, you have practice and you pass the ball to one another, you bounce pass to one another, you chest pass to one another. You get the, you know, get to the point in which you don't even have to look at the person and they know that you're going to pass them the ball. Uh, that's where you want your relationship to go to where you guys can just look at one another and you have this communication. Uh, you may have a code word with your, your partner. Uh, you, you, you get to a point in which, uh, you work very well, uh, cohesively. Uh, so that way, you know, you have, um, just all of the, you know, brightness of the future ahead of you um, to be able to conquer some really cool goals that you may have that you never thought you were worthy to have before. Um, you know, when it comes, when it came to, you know, cleaning up the, that spot behind the sink, uh, you know, I don't think you've ever lived in a place that you really were like, oh, this is my home. You know, I really want to make this nice. I really want to, you know, I want to put my love into this place. 
And now you do, you know, but in order to get to that point, you got to start somewhere. You got to start treating, you know, who you are, where you are and who you are with um, as the person that you want them to be, you know, a year, six months, uh, five years down the road. Um, So you have to start training each other on how to be, you know, good partners to one another. Because the person that is neurotypical, uh, they need support too. They need help too. They have bad days too. They have emotions as well. Uh, They have ups and downs. Um, But they may feel as though they can't tell the person who engages in BPD uh, behaviors anything because they are afraid that it may trigger some, you know, outcry or over the top. tantrum or, you know, helping in a way that's not really going to be that helpful for you. So that is, you know, where we don't want to go. So partners, you got to train your train each other to be how to be with one another and how to be happy with one another and train to be, you know, the ultimate partners down the road. Uh, Because it's not about right now. It's about where you guys want to go. So if you want to be together forever, you need to start training each other on how we can be together forever. You know, things that we can do forever and and behaviors and things that we can't tolerate uh, forever need to be discussed. Like, you know, I can't I I will not be able to take this sort of behavior forever. Uh, It sounds it would be like a punishment. Um, So. Like what examples? I mean, what behavior of mine would you not be able to take forever? <laughs> uh, I would say, so we'll we'll just stick with the pants thing. Um, <laughs> being uncomfortable, so being really impulsive, and when um, I say that you know you're really being impulsive right now, and you know you just want to connect with me. Um, you want to be closer to me, but the behaviors that you're engaging in aren't really saying that it's, it's, I want to be in this state of mind and I want you to like me in this state of mind. Uh, and it's not that I don't like you. It's, I don't like the state of mind. I don't like the actions behind the state of mind because they're very selfish and, I know that uh, I don't want to be punished for not liking an annoying behavior. That's just not fair. Um, so partners, if you're engaging in that type of dynamic, uh, beware. That is a ticking time bomb. Um, so the partner who is not engaging that behavior, you at least have to tell them they are your partner. So you got to have their back. Um you have to tell them, look, you know, I, I love you to death, but I don't love this behavior that you're engaging in because it's isolating. You know, it's all about you and it's not, has nothing to do with me. And you're getting upset at me because I'm not happy with this, you know, behavior that you're engaging in. And it's just not fair. It's, it's mean. And I know that that is something that I couldn't live with forever. Right. You know, it's just, it, it wouldn't be right. It, it doesn't match who I am and who I identify as. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. So those are yeah. awesome <clears throat> tips. So be calm, be logical, find your partner's positive intended result, 
You have to look for it, look hard for it. If you're the neurotypical partner, don't meet emotion with emotion because people with BPD are the most emotional, most intense. You'll never win. And it's just not, it's a recipe for disaster. Walk the person through what they're doing step by step. You know, tell them, don't get tired of telling your partner, especially if you're married or in a long-term committed relationship. You can't get tired of telling your partner what's annoying, what's impulsive and unacceptable because you are training your partner to be a good partner to you. And you'd have to do that with anyone. It's a little bit more work with someone with BPD, but forever relationships, they take long-term commitment. It's a, it's work. It's not like, oh, we get together in this relationship and it's just going to happen magically. It's not that. It's not like that. So you happen to be with someone with BPD and, you know, it's a harder path, but it can still be done. And then for you out, um, for your partners with BPD, you know, for us folk that have BPD, we have to listen, be willing to submit, to trust, to, you know, take responsibility and to change. You know, I can feel discomfort in my body and be impulsive and then also acknowledge that acknowledge it's ridiculous excuse me and I can take Jay's advice and you know stop being impulsive I can do all of that because I'm in a partnership and I understand that you know and in the beginning when you're in recovery it's as if you want your person and I've said this before but it's if I wanted him in a box and I can just keep him around and he'll do whatever I want whenever I want him to do it and I can go and do whatever I want and if, as long as he stays in that box and just <laughs> stay in there like a pet almost like a or hermit crab that's a horrible that's even worse because <clears throat> you have to and it makes it's a better reference though right because you have to turtle up or have to like put your little legs up in your little shell when i would get upset with you and you just stay in that glass cage just tapping on the glass yeah that that's what people with bpd want right you don't want a partner you want someone to say the exact phrase that you're looking for to do the exact thing that you want so in order for your partner to be a better partner to you you need to first be a partner to them, not a tyrant. Awesome. That's really great advice. Thanks, Jay. Well, thank you. Anything else you have for listeners, for those people drowning out there in the in the BPD relationship? Any last words of advice? <laughs> Any last words? Absolutely. I mean, if you really honestly, look, if you feel like you're drowning in your relationship, you need to reach out to me uh, for coaching. You need to reach out for Rose for coaching. Uh, we can certainly help you get through, you know, this rough patch that you're going through either individually or collectively. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's it's just a matter of getting someone else involved, somebody who does not have any sort of biases to either one of you and just getting a, a third perspective on the situation. Um, it, it helps a lot uh, because you know, that third perspective is the observer role and you begin to, you know, that, that observer role, you can see things that the, the other two people cannot see. You know, it, it's, you know, I've given this reference before. I, I've, I'm a personal trainer as well. And, you know, I tell people to squat and, you know, I say, you know, squat down uh, lower or, you know, keep your feet flat. And they, I am, I am. And then, you know, I have them look at themselves in a mirror while they do it. And then all of a sudden they realize, oh, crap, you know, I'm not squatting down low and I'm not keeping my feet flat. 
but, you know, they wouldn't believe me in that moment until they were able to see it. You know, in the mirror is obviously the observer, uh, and then you are able to get that feedback from the observer role. So if you're really in you know, a spot in which you feel like you are drowning in the relationship uh, and you do want to try to salvage the relationship, you should uh, be doing something actively about that. Uh, that's, that's important because you don't want to, and I knew this when I met you at the beginning of our, beginning of our relationship, I knew that I would take care of you better than anyone else. And I knew that uh, if things didn't work out for us, I would be really upset because, um, you know, I really loved you and I wouldn't want some other person stepping into that role that wasn't, didn't have your best intentions in mind and that would take advantage of you and your insecurities and would treat you in a nightmarish way. You know, I just would never want that for you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if if you're in that position in which you don't really know what to do, um, reach out, contact one of us or both of us, and uh, get you some uh, some coaching on on how to do it on a more individual level. Awesome! Thank you so much, Jay. Thank you. Are you currently struggling to stay afloat? Are you looking for more one-on-one support and guidance on your recovery journey? Check out thriveonlinecounseling.com. We offer mindset coaching that will propel your recovery journey forward. We help frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Have phone, video, or text sessions wherever you are. The best part? you can schedule right from our website. Choose the day and time that works best for you. Life can be better. We can help. Make an investment in yourself. You are worth it. All right, time for some Q&A. So the question comes from a partner and a partner of someone with BPD. And the question is, how do you forgive your partner with borderline personality disorder when they're trying to recover, but you have years of built up resentment from all of the tantrums, all of those late nights where you're arguing and fighting with each other. And I thought it would be a good idea to have Jay answer this question because, you know, I just remember some times where I've done some things (laughs) really intense. I remember our honeymoon. I'll tell one story. I remember the end of our honeymoon. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, do you? Yep. I remember that one. (laughs) (laughs) We can laugh about it right now. But, you know, little things like that. So basically at the end of our honeymoon, I had a hard time with transitions. So I didn't like, and I don't like to be uncomfortable. So we had had a dog sitter come and sit our dogs. And we had come back and... The house smelled like urine and pee, and that was not it. That's not. That was not our honeymoon. That was another I time. To Charleston. <laughs> Should we you edit this? Dogs out? with us. <laughs> okay, so that was another one of my incidents <laughs> when the house. 
<laughs> we won't edit that out. We'll leave that yeah, in. Because that that's the point, right? So there are many incidents. And I'm not even remembering Absolutely. my incident correctly. But go ahead. Here. Basically, <laughs> I threw my suitcase, is what I was going to say. Like, I just remember, like, we had a great time. We walk in the door. I don't even remember what happened, but I remember I threw my suitcase, right? No one knows what happens. <laughs> um, you know, it's like a... If it, if anybody li- out there lives in Florida, uh, I lived in Miami for a number of years, um, and sometimes you just have these really intense uh, rainstorms come in, <laughs> and you know you know that in two minutes it's going to be over with, and the sun's going to be back out again. Uh, that's how um, our arguments would ensue. They would come in, just start pouring thundering and lightning and then they would leave and the sun would come back out again um so to uh to answer your question uh first of all whoever is um has that much resentment uh you need to first check yourself and realize that you've chosen to hold on to resentment you know that is an act of choice um just as holding on to resentment is an act of choice, forgiveness is an act of choice. Uh, there is nothing emotional about forgiveness. It's not, it does not mean that, like, I forgive you uh, so you can do it again. No, it's I, for, I choose to forgive you because I still have my aim. You know, when, when we got married, my aim was to be married. Uh, so when this, you know, crazy tropical storm would move in uh with your you know temper tantrums um i knew that number one it'll pass uh number two what's my aim you know my aim is i want to be married i want to be married to her uh i want to start you know our life together i want to start building things together i want to start doing things together um and I cannot allow every single rainstorm to be stored in my mind uh, and in my soul uh, because it's going to get dark in there and it's going to get rainy and uh, I, I don't want that. <clears throat> so, excuse me. So every single time I had to make a conscious choice, uh, what do I want to do here? Uh, my choice is... Uh, I want to be together. I want to be in a relationship. I want to be married. Uh, I want this relationship to continue to evolve. Uh, but I know that we need to get through this situation. And once we're through it, uh, I need to be very clear that this I don't want to have the same argument anymore. So understand that, the, that what I'm saying to you now is how I'm going to answer the the next time we have to have this the same argument uh so let's try to avoid it you know you know where i stand i know where you stand um we've both agreed that we want to move on and still you know be together uh if i'm holding on to resentment uh then i am not choosing to forgive you that is not how that works so when you say that you forgive someone uh, it is an act of choice saying that I want us to continue on uh, going in the direction that we're going. Uh, you need to make that choice, though. Uh, so when it comes to, you know, the, the tantrums, 
uh, coming in, uh, they're going to happen. And, you know, again, as a, as a supportive partner, it's your responsibility to let them know how they're actually engaging in this tantrum and how it affects where the relationship is going. Uh, because if it's detrimental to the relationship, it has to be known amongst the both of you. Uh, you can't just know that information and keep it for yourself and then just allow them to engage in this behavior. You record it and then you know you you move on and then it happens again and then you're just recording and recording and storing all this information. It's just a bad idea. So let go of the resentment and you know if, if you choose forgiveness, choose forgiveness and move on. You know, you have to communicate and fix the problem, but choose forgiveness and move on. Yeah, I love that. And if you have a hard time doing that, reach out to one of us because you have your own work to do. Forgiveness is something that is difficult for people, neurotypical people, people with, you know, mental illness. It's just a difficult concept because it means that you have to make a choice to let go. So again, if you if you are the partner of someone with BPD and you have a hard time with forgiveness, you need support to learn letting go. Awesome. So you can contact Jay at Jay at thriveonlinecounseling.com and you can contact me at Rose at thriveonlinecounseling.com. Now I will say since we have Jay on the show here today that you cannot access Jay's schedule on the website. That's just my schedule. So if you want to schedule specifically with Jay, you can go onto that contact form under the contact page of the website and you can put your info in there. You can give us a call at 844-984-7483 or or you can send him an email and he'll schedule with you personally. Again, that's Jay at ThriveOnlineCounseling.com and all of this will be in the show notes. J-A-Y. J-A-Y, right. All right, awesome. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Okay, thanks for listening. That was from Borderline and Beautiful a production of Thrive Mind Body LLC, online coaching that helps frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at thriveonlinecounseling.com. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or any app that you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from the last episodes, and I'd love to hear whatever questions you have, too. Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. We'll have all those links in the show description. Okay, we made it. Thanks again for listening. I'm Rose Skeeters, and I'll be back next week with another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Talk to you then.